So we've begun a series on, I'll call it the names of Jesus, but that's not really all of it. It's more aspects uh, of Jesus, who he is to us, and we kind of are working through the names of, of him. Um, last week we said he's the light of the world, okay? So he's the light of the world, and we looked at that as he is and gives us guidance and direction. And that's what he does. He gives us that guidance. And that's one of the things he does as being the light of the world. But that's not all Jesus does. Jesus has so many different aspects. And we're going to look at a few of those as we go through uh, the next few weeks in this series. There's something important to know. Jesus always was what he was from the beginning to the end. And this is a hard thing for us to understand because we as humans, we come along, we start as a baby, and we, we learn and we change and we do things and we bump into really hard brick walls and, and we turn around and say, ah, that was dumb. And then we're there again shortly and it looks so different to us and yet it's the same brick wall again and again and again um, we learn slowly but Jesus always was wisdom and always was light and always was all things and he always will be so that's a hard thing for us to to know but from the foundation of the world, the next thing we're going to look at, we're going to look at the word, or the name, the Lamb of God. Okay? The Lamb of God, and what that really means. Now, if you were to look, you'd find a verse talking about God was, Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Before mankind ever set foot... In, uh, on this earth, and God created Adam and Eve, Jesus was already, in God's mind, already a sacrifice. Because you have to understand, God looked out amongst the human race before they were created and said, wow, that's going to be a mess. And then he created it. Okay? And... He already saw all of the things, and he already had a plan of what he was going to do, and he already had it put into place. And so, though we see timing, and we know a, a date that Jesus came to earth, was born on earth, and a date that he died and was sacrificed, in God's mind, the whole plan was already set in place. And all he had to do was accomplish it, which is nothing for God, right? It's nothing. So he looked out amongst all of, the, all of time, which to him is a little blip in the world, because he is forever. You know, he is forever. He had no beginning and no end. So as we look at some of these aspects, we're going to look at the Lamb of God, and you're going to see what God's plan was as he slowly showed the human race what he'd already done, and what he was doing, okay? So let's go, as we look at the Lamb of, the, uh, the Lamb of God, um, you could turn to Genesis chapter number 22. 
Keep your finger there in Genesis chapter number 22. We'll get to this story in a minute, but beforehand you need to know God created man, right? And Adam and Eve, mankind, right, they sinned. We know that, and that's in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve sin, and Adam and Eve find out that they're naked, and so what do they try to do? They cover it up. And if you noticed in the text, God said, that's not sufficient. What you did to cover it up was not sufficient. They took and sewed fig leaves together, okay? And it wasn't that they weren't smart enough to cover their bodies, it's that they didn't understand God had a different pathway for them. And so it says, very nonchalantly, as you read through it, and God made clothes of skins. And on it goes. Well, the only way you get skins is what? You've got to kill something, right? So that is the first time something ever died in the earth. It is the very first time something died. And so God was showing the beginning of his plan with Adam and Eve. He shows that there has to be something that dies to cover your sin. Okay? Death comes about to cover your sin. So God's already putting in place that beginning. Here's my plan. I already told you. Started from the beginning, okay? And so then he continues. Along comes a man named Abraham. And Abraham is chosen out of his family because he doesn't believe the way that all the rest of his family believes with those other gods. And he has faith that there's a real, true, living God out there. And his faith, God takes it as an opportunity. And God brings him to the promised land, says, you're, you'll have descendants out here, you're going to have this promised land, you're going to have descendants. Of course, he messes it up just like most humans do, right? He does it's a couple of wrong steps along the way. But eventually, he gets to the point where he has his one and only son born through Sarah. And she is 90, I think, and he's 100 at the time that Isaac is born. So it's a miracle and God brings Isaac out onto the scene, and you'll find a few years later, he says, Abraham, now you're going to take him up to a mountain, and you're going to sacrifice him to me. But God, isn't this what you, this is what you do. And so Abraham does this, and he takes this young boy, we don't know the exact age, but takes this young boy out, and he takes to his servants, a little ways away from where he's going to go. And then he and his boy Isaac take that journey out to the mountain. And they climb up this mountain. And along the way, now Isaac has seen his father do sacrifices. Because ever since Adam and Eve, God has, has shown them that plan. This is what you do. It has to be covered. Your sin has to be covered with blood. All right. So Genesis chapter 22, verse number 7, as you see, little Isaac is walking along, and he asks this amazing question with such insight, he has no idea what he's asking, 
and yet it's part of God's plan. So he's working through this young boy. Verse number 7 of chapter 22, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will himself provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. It's you, right? (laughs) That's, That's it. It's you. I'm taking you up to the mountain, but I am sure hoping that God has another plan. But all I know is what God has told me. And God's got to provide this. And so what does he do? He takes him up to that mountain, and people know the story. He's got the knife in hand, ready to kill him. And God says to Abraham, no, no. Now I know that you will not hold anything back from me. All right? His one and only, the son of the promise. He takes him up on that, and there in the bushes is a goat that's stuck. Okay? And... Which goats don't get stuck, okay? <laughs> That's just not what they do, right? They live out in, in nature, and they know how to get in and out of things without a problem. But there is this goat that's stuck. He goes and grabs, and there is a sacrifice on that mountain in place of Isaac. And so God begins to teach and say, this is what needs to happen. Now, here's the most amazing thing. That mountain is important, but humans don't know it yet. They know about the story of Abraham and Isaac, and they know about the story of Adam and Eve, but they don't know how important that that little mountain is, okay? And we'll get to that in a minute. As you go along, Israel is in slavery, and that very first Passover night, all right, so let, let me put that on here, Isaac has a question. And his question is, right, where is the lamb? We're missing the lamb. Where is the sacrifice? God will provide it. All right. Forward, fast forward a little bit into Exodus, and the Israelites are enslaved by the Egyptians, and we have the very first Passover. The plagues happen, and the final one is the death angel comes over, and they must pick out the specific Passover lamb that is to be watched. They kill it in a specific way. They paint the blood over the door, and God is now teaching them more of his plan. Okay? So then we have the Passover lamb. And the Jewish people, for generations, follow the laws. You go through the book of Leviticus, and it talks about a trespass lamb that is taken in place of your sins. You trespassed. You did the wrong thing. You sinned, and so we're going to kill this lamb. You are going to lay your hand on the head of the lamb, and you yourself will take the knife and slit the throat of that young, baby, innocent lamb because it must die to cover your sins. Not that the blood of a a lamb can do anything except teach humanity what it is we're missing and what God's plan is. Little by little, God begins to show it. 
And then you fast forward as the Israelites go through all of their sacrifices for hundreds and hundreds of years. And all of a sudden now in the book of Isaiah, you get another picture. God says, something else is coming. Isaiah chapter 53. Here's the next part of my plan. Isaiah chapter number 53. Verse number 1, one of the, the best passages of the Bible, incredible. Who hath believed our report? Isaiah 53, verse 1. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, that is talking about the, the um, new Messiah that's coming, he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the dry ground. <clears throat> he hath no form or comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, this, this man, he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Skip down to verse number 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is a picture of someone that's coming. Okay, I've showed you from Adam and Eve, you have to have somebody covering your sins, some blood that covers your sins. You saw the Passover lamb. You get into the book of Leviticus, where you take that lamb, you kill the trespass lamb, and you put blood on your thumb and on your big toe and on your ear. Why is that? Because those are all representative of things you do. You think wrong, you do things wrong, you go wrong places, you need it all covered. You should be bathed in this blood, is what he said. All right? Leviticus brings that along, and then he says in Isaiah, I am going to give you a promised person, and that is going to be one who's going to take your sins. He's going to go as a lamb to the slaughter. He's going to bear your iniquities. And, and God is painting the picture a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more as time goes on. And finally, you know the story as Jesus himself is born, is raised, goes to the, the Mount of Calvary and dies on the Mount. Now, according to many beliefs, it is the very same mountain that Isaac asked the question, where's the lamb? God will provide a lamb. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, there is Jesus providing the lamb. 
right? And that is what we all need, right? We all need that lamb, and we talk about the blood of the lamb. It needs to be covered on all parts of us, okay? Jesus dies on Calvary. But the best part is yet to come. See, God's picture was not finished with the lamb. The lamb dies as a sacrifice. He is raised again. But now we start to see God's real picture of what his real intention is. Because after Jesus dies, the world plunges deeper and deeper into darkness. And you have little pockets of light. Little times where God brings something about in mankind. Some man like a Martin Luther stands up and nails these things on the door and says, we won't stand for this anymore. And there's a spurt. And then down it goes. Because that's humankind. He is not the first. He probably was not the last. There were many more. There were many in many countries. Okay? But God has watched as darkness and evil takes its hold and then starts to overwhelm and overcome the earth. God patiently waits as mankind sins and evil grows dark and the world thrives on hate and anger. You see that. You see... That happened, and the Lamb of God came, and the Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said here, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here he is, and he brought it, and yet the story is not finished. He continues to protect his people, but that's not even it. There's even more. And this is what's the incredible part, is when we go and we look into the future, we're going to see something. Let's go to Revelation chapter number 5. Now John is feeling this way, and maybe some of you have felt this way. He looks across the world and says, It's dark, it's evil, and there's no way to fix it. How is God going to fix this thing? Because it's gotten out of hand. No human can fix it. No one human, no million humans, no hundred million humans could fix it. So how does this happen? Does this just deteriorate and fall apart? And the answer is, God's already got it written down. That's the answer. God, remember back from way in the beginning, God had the plan with the lamb, and he said, here's what it's going to be, and I'm going to show people what they need, and I'm going to give them opportunity, and at some point in the future, we are going to see a very different lamb. And here's where John looks out in Revelation chapter number 5. John sees this vision of the end times. Chapter 5 Verse number 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, that is God, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with the seven seals. So he looks and he sees God's got in his hand a book with the answers for the end. 
how it all comes out. He's got that book. Verse number two, as we read this story, and, and the story is great, so I'm going to read a few verses here. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in the earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to let loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made unto us, or made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, under the earth, such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto the, the him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb of God forever and ever. So this is God's ending. The Lamb that came to die is now the only one who's got the answer to what we're living in. He's the only one. He's the only one that can open God's seals on the book. He's the only one that can finish out this history. He's the only one that can redeem mankind. And so he stands up, this lamb that was led to the slaughter, stands up in great power. And all of heaven falls down around him because there is no one like him. There's no one in the world. There's no one in the universe. There's no one beyond the universe like him. And they sing, worthy is the lamb because he has brought about the opportunity to finish this out in a righteous way. Now, I don't know what happens with us in our lifetime. I don't know if we're uh, one of those spurts that God allows to come back and allows to do something amazing. I don't know that. And I don't know also if it is something where God says, well, here it is, and I'm opening the seals, and you watch, and you become part of that. Somewhere we're in here, okay? 
somewhere, and yet we have to know that the Lamb of God has the control of when it starts and when it begins and when it all ends. And he brings about a righteous ending to that which mankind has just messed up from the very beginning and will continue to mess up, no matter where it is. And this is why there's no one else to go to. You only can go to the Lord. You only can go to the Lamb for all of the toughest answers in your life is why is it like this? Why do we have to live like this, in this world like this? Why do things keep changing? Because God can give you the steps to walk through it. He's had the plan from the beginning. The Lamb, He showed it to mankind, says, this is your hope. I'm telling you, this is how you get hope all the way through here. And he says, and I've got this wrapped up in my hand. And I will tell you, if you walk with me, I will take you through. I will hold you. I will carry you, if need be, through it all. And that is what the Lamb really does. The Lamb is something that brings us salvation. And yet at the end, he brings great power. Because he was the servant of all. And so now he is the leader of all. All mankind and all beyond. All realms. The Lord of all the realms. Right? He takes care of everything. And he can and will stop Satan and all the evil in its tracks. When he has said, that's the last moment. That's when he stops it. Not when I say, I'm done. But when he says... That's over. God has his purposes, and he's called us for when we live. Right? And he does those great things. And so all we can do is say, praise be to the Lamb of God, and give him all of that honor and glory and blessing. Right? All that we can to say, you're it. That's all I got. I can't trust in anything else. Nothing else. I can only trust in you. That's the Lamb of God, takes away the sin of the world, and the Lamb of God that stands up and opens the book. The only one. The Lamb of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God. May we give him honor and glory and blessing in our life. Thank you very much. Thank you.